It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff, are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. The Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God. Together in this podcast, we'll dive deep into scripture, uncover the powerful truths that will help you rise above your limitations and embrace your full potential. We're here to equip you with the tools you need to conquer life's challenges. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Lombardi Line with Michael Lombardi and Patrick Maher on VSEN. Welcome back in, everybody. It's another hour of the Lombardi Line, presented, as always, by BetMGM. I'm Ben Wilson, pumped to be in for Patrick Maher all rest of this week, actually, as Patrick gets some time off into the weekend. Back with Michael Lombardi, who is back in New Jersey on the East Coast after a nice little uh, speech there in Orlando yesterday. Yeah. Uh, Michael, great hour number two for us on tap. Chad Graff, athletic beat reporter for the Patriots, will stop by the show. We have lots of news and notes from around the NFL that we'll get into as we are into that uh, that uh, potential uh, a two-week window here where you can see the franchise tags potentially be applied now till March 7th and in six days the combine starts so <laughs> pretty pretty fast and furious we will go into here and there's uh, there's a lot of different uh, things at play over the next couple of weeks including a very fun segment that our producer Brian Ortega came up for us in this in this segment we're calling it sticking to the script with Michael Lombardi ready for this Michael I I figured you bet. Be. I'm ready. I'm excited. This is good work, Brian. This is great work by uh, Brian, Brian Ortega, our producer. Final show, uh, at least on the Lombardi line today for Brian Ortega. So we had to go out with a bang. Uh, number one, we're going to 1972 and, uh, and, and the Godfather. Actually, m- multiple of these situations are going to be <laughs> Godfather quotes because, of course. So today I said to all family business. I know Rob Moreno back there loves my, uh, my yeah. Al Pacino impersonation. Yeah. Which team needs to settle their family business or teams? Here in the uh, in the offseason, that is number one on the sticking to the script, Michael. Well, you know, we what what I take that is is I've got to make sure that I eliminate all my enemies. I've got to make sure that we just focus on the team at hand. 
I think the Arizona Cardinals come to mind. They've got to deal with this player named Kyler Murray, who they just had a press conference and they extolled the virtues of how great he is as and called him their franchise player, yet he really hasn't played. They've paid him like one, but they better settle their internal family business inside there. I think that's going to be really important. The chemistry of a team is really important towards your first year on the job because if you don't fix it as soon as you get in there, it becomes a real problem moving forward. So I think when you look at culture, I think you got to do that. I think the Baltimore Ravens have to settle their family business. They've got to decide where they're going to go. Will they continue down this Lamar strain, or will they decide, okay, we're going to break away, we're going to take our whatever value we can get, and we're going to rebuild our program? I think that's going to be critical. They can't tiptoe down the way that they've gone because it's not going to work. If they only sign Lamar to a one-year deal, is he going to come in and play and do all the things you have to do? So to settle that business, you got to settle the contract with Lamar. I think that's going to be really, really important as you move forward. So those would be the two teams that just jump out at me that need to settle some of this internal strife. The other one, I think, are the Jets. they got to settle on the quarterback, right? Who's going to be their quarterback? What are they going to do? They think they have a great team. They think they're a great team minus a great quarterback. And then it's the Packers. How do they settle their business? Do they keep going with love or or do they go and let Rodgers go? There's a lot of teams that have to settle family business. No question. The first team you mentioned, let's go back to the, the Arizona Cardinals. So you bring in, if you're talking about family business, and you've got a lot of young, important voices now in that room with a 40-year-old first-time head coach in Jonathan Gannon. They bring in Drew Petzing, his offensive coordinator, who had been under Kevin Stefanski as a Minnesota Vikings, Cleveland Browns assistant in the past, who is now in his offensive coordinator, a 35-year-old. How do you imagine that is going to play out with a young guy and, and multiple young guys in around a quarterback who has been very, very uh, against sort of that strict conditioning in the past from Kyler Murray's end? Well, I mean, like we talked about, you know, like, uh, you know, will he study the new program? I mean, you know, they, that clause in his contract just didn't appear. There was no ghost that put that in there. That actually somebody felt it needed to be in there. And the people that felt it needed to be in there were the player who signed the contract in the negotiation the agent who negotiated the contract and the general manager who also, somebody felt that clause needed to get in there. So, and now they took it out because it got such publicity, but there was a reason it got put in there. There's a reason it was in there. So like, what's going to happen? And I think if you're Jonathan Gannon, you got to get to the bottom of it. You got to figure out why it was in. You got to figure, if we're going to put a new offense in for this kid, we're going to have to run some six back stuff. There's no doubt. He can't see in the pocket. We're going to have to do what he does best. We're going to repair the offensive line because when he gets pushed back, he's too small. He can't see. I, I think it's a really hard – it's a hard undertaking. And I think Gannon's going in there with the belief that, you know, hey, I'll just make this thing turn around because I got a good quarterback. A lot of, lot of moving parts for Arizona still to be figured out and all under a first-year head coach. Uh, meanwhile, we go back to our uh, movie quotes here, sticking to the script with Michael right now to start the second hour of the show. Uh, let's go to a team that has had quite a few issues over the years uh, and we'll, we'll only have more to sort out under a new head coach. That would be the Houston Texans. So we go to uh, Apollo 13, Houston, we have a problem. I feel like that's been said many, many times over the past half decade yep. now for the Houston Texans. If you're D'Amico Ryans right now coming in, biggest problem that you are looking to solve and that that organization has to solve entering 2023? It's real easy. you got to find a quarterback. you got to find a quarterback that you're going to build around. You got to find a quarterback that you're going to develop your team around. You got to find a quarterback that you're going to build your organization around. The second thing D'Amico Ryans has to do is create alignment. 
the Houston Texans are not aligned. Nick is Nick Cesario, the, the general manager of the teams from the New England program. He's got his ideas on how to coach the team and how the team should operate. And D'Amico's the new guy in town. It's rare that a general manager gets to pick two one-time head coaches. So there has to be some form of alignment that's created. To me, if you're going to solve the Houston problem, and we know there's a problem, it starts with alignment. Now, what we've seen is D'Amico's kept a lot of the former coaches that were on the staff that are kind of linked to Nick have stayed on the mm-hmm. staff. And so that tells you Nick's still involved in all this. Like Nick and D'Amico are working hand in hand. D'Amico's not ready to be a head coach, and Nick wants to be the head coach, but he can't be the head coach. So until they get this aligned, until they get it aligned, even when they draft a quarterback, it's not going to change. That, and that's what will be fascinating because you have this, this Houston team who's picking second. Everybody in their mother saying, yeah, Bears, there's no way they hang on to the number one pick because they know they will get a suitor to move up to take a quarterback. You have a division rival, though, if you're Houston, right behind you in Indianapolis at pick number four, who has been very public and aggressive with how they are wanting to move up and take a quarterback. So that's a, a big test that's coming in you know, basically a month and a half now, Michael, right, for Houston. How do they yeah. navigate those waters? Yeah, I mean, look, they got to decide, first of all, how they navigate the waters. You come up with your team needs list, right? And then you find out what are we going to run offensively? How we're going to, what are we going to be offensively and build a team around that? It's not complicated, right? Like, why do teams succeed? They have a plan. They find players that fit the plan and they draft those guys that work within and they define the roles of the player. And that's what hasn't happened. You know, they draft Stingley last year. He's a cover, and they're they're a cover two team with Lovey Smith, and they've been the third or fourth pick on a guy to play man to man when Lovey doesn't play man to man. Like, what are we doing here? Like, things have to work together. This is what I'm talking about alignment. You know, the Giants got rid of Bradbury. Why? Because Bradbury's not a man-to-man corner. They want to play man-to-man. So they dumped him. Philly picked him up. They're a zone team. So it makes sense. Now, if a team signs Bradbury that's going to want to play man and you pay him like that, you're going to get burnt. Yeah. you got to define what you want. When, when, when uh, Josh Norman left Carolina for a big contract with Washington, it was one of the worst signings I've ever saw. In fact, I said it the day he signed. I mean, that's a waste of money because tip classic Washington, they're taking a zone cover two corner and they're trying to play man to man with them. He, it won't work. And now how can D'Amico Ryans, who had a tremendous personnel in San Francisco, shouldn't take anything away from Ryans, who was an excellent play caller on the defensive side, but that's a very different look now from the personnel he he inherits in Houston compared to the guys he was running out there in San Francisco that had the best defense in the league the last couple of years. Uh, That'll be the big question for Ryans. But nobody's expecting him to be the 49ers in a day. It's like nobody expects to lose 50 pounds in a day. Like, you know, it's going to take some time here. And he's got to utilize that time. That's uh, one of several issues that uh, Houston is trying to solve. We go to number three. We're going back to the Godfather. Of course, we had to have multiple uh, here, here from the Godfather. With back to uh, back to Al, going to make him an offer he can't refuse. Which of the big quarterbacks are we looking at here in the offseason, Michael? Where you see teams potentially saying we're going to make you an offer that you cannot refuse? Well, I mean, I'm going to add the great Springsteen line that says, sometimes I can't tell my courage from my desperation. I think what team is most desperate? And and I think it's the Jets. I think the Jets feel like they're close. They're one, they're one player away. And whenever you think you're one player away, you're really not. You're really not. I've been there before. I thought we were one player away. We signed Andre Risen. It was a disaster, right? 
you, you just never are one player away because you got injury. Everything else happens. And so I think the Jets feel like if they just get any kind of play from their quarterback, they're going to be great. And, look, if they got Aaron Rodgers, that would improve their team tremendously because their skilled players are good. You know, Elijah Moore, you know, they've got all the oh, they got all these young receivers that they can get the football to that could make some plays. So I, I do think that they could, but they're going to overpay for whatever they do because everybody sees them as being hungry. Their comments about about David Carr to me about excuse me, about Derek Carr mm-hmm. being a Hall of Famer were whoa, whoa, wait a minute. That tells you how that they're looking at everything through a different color lens. They really are. And I guess you understand that when you have arguably the worst quarterback room in the league now for the past few seasons with how bad it went with Sam Darnold as a number two overall pick, with how horrific it has gone with Zach Wilson as a number two pick. It's like, how do you, how do you prevent yourself from not looking through those differently colored glasses when you see how other te- you know, what other teams have in front of them and your situation has been so bad. It seems like an easy thing to fall into if you're a team who's been so snake-bitten at the most important position in the game. Yeah, I mean, look, but you, you can't lose your – you can't just all of a sudden say, okay, I'm so desperate, I'm going to do whatever I have to do. you got to be willing to stay back and be rational and look at things. I mean, because free agency demands that you think clearly. You don't want to overpay for a stock. You, you don't want it to just rush to the window. You don't want to bet something ridiculous unless you want to bet Trey Lance to be MVP. <laughs> but you don't want to do those things, right? You want to be able to be calculated. And for the New York Jets, they're getting a lot of offseason buzz in that 20 to 1 range to win it all. But what will they do at the quarterback position remains to be seen. Great segment from our producer, Brian Ortega, on the, uh, the movie lines. Great stuff there from Ortega. We will transition, talk some draft and other headlines when we return. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm preaching to somebody today who is waiting for God to give you your next step. And you don't know what it is yet. You need God to show you your next step. Because, God, I can't stay where I am, like I am, where it is. This isn't going to work. I I have to move on, but I don't know where. 
a lot of time you'll use it as an excuse. Well, I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know what. God, if you show me. God, if you tell me. God, if, no, 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 no. You know enough right now. And if you needed to know more, he would show you. Hey, this is Stephen Furtick. I want to invite you to listen to my podcast, Elevation with Stephen Furtick. I am here to help you for the battles that you face in life, for the times when you feel discouraged, for the times that you need guidance from God. I want to give you the truth of what he says about you to help you rise to your full potential. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Attention all wrestling aficionados. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. This is Freddie Prince Jr., and I am beyond thrilled to announce that our wrestling extravaganza is back, and joining me once again is the one and only Jeff Dye. Get ready as we highlight the most jaw-dropping matches, dissect the fiercest feuds, and uncover the latest twists and turns in the world of pro wrestling. We're dusting off our legendary side quests and unleashing a barrage of brand new segments that will keep you guys on the edge of your seat like our talks on unsanctioned Thursdays. Freddie, you know we gotta give the people what they want. This season, we have an all-star lineup of special guests who are gonna be gracing our podcast, bringing with them their own unique insights, experiences, and all of that in the world of pro wrestling and beyond. Whether you're a seasoned wrestling veteran or a fresh-faced newcomer, we promise an experience like no other. So buckle up, wrestling fans. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to the Lombardi Line on VSIN, featuring former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now, once again, here's Patrick Maher. Before you make your next bet, be sure to visit VEASAN.com to check the current betting splits data. Want to know where the money and bets are moving every game? The betting splits page is updated with DraftKings odds every 10 minutes, so you can see changes in all the action. Find out where the public is betting based on the number of tickets and where the money doesn't match the public opinion. You can check out not only today's action, but future events as well. Betting splits are another way VEASAN is here to make you a smarter, better year-round. Check out today's betting splits for every game at VEASAN.com. As we discuss some of the big uh, burning offseason question marks, Michael, for a Several of these NFL teams, you know, the one that, that leads me to think about the draft, which is now 64 days away, a little over two months. And we have the combine now six days away, starting next Tuesday for the NFL. It's uh, what is going to end up happening with that, that number one pick. You have Houston, who is in desperate need of a quarterback. Same deal for Indianapolis. And yet they are behind the team who actually holds the number one pick in Chicago. As we as we've gone into this offseason uh, set up, Michael, over the past few weeks, and we haven't uh, discussed this in a while. What, what have you heard? What's the latest out of? Chicago as far as what your inkling is on what the Bears end up doing here with that number one pick you know on Monday I did my pod and I talked about the Giants and what they would do with Daniel Jones and Saquon talked about Lamar and Femi and I got into this kind of discussion Femi by the way is a uh, a Justin Fields fan wants to give him more time you know all those all those things that we always say about quarterbacks that don't play well, even though Brock Purdy plays well the minute he steps on the field. So, you know, we, we went through that, and then somebody from the league texted me and said, you know, they're, they're going to do something with the quarterback. And I kind of got the sense, too. I, I think the word going through the league is they know Fields is not a great thrower of the football, which is happens to be a fairly re- big requirement of the quarterback position. He's a turnover machine. 11 or He fumbled 16 times last year, Ben. Mm-hmm. 
Now, is he a great athlete? I don't dispute that. Can he run with the football? I don't dispute that. Can he make clutch throws and clutch games? No. It hasn't happened. He does. He's not accurate with the football. He doesn't have great rhythm or timing. When you have to throw it, you know, you've got to be able to throw it. Now, if you want to say, I want to go with, if you're Ryan Poles and you say, let's go with Hurts, you're, you're, let's go with Fields, you're saying we're going to develop him into, we're going to develop him into Jalen Hurts. He's going to become hurt. We're going to be a six-pack team. We're going to throw the ball. We're going to, he's going to be able to make enough throws. And I'm not sure you can fairly say that. That's what's interesting on the, you know, look on the draft odds front where everybody you read right now is pretty much like, okay, it's going to be probably either Jalen Carter or a Will Anderson type. The Bears are going to look for that. And, and it's just sort of a foregone conclusion, right? That they just, they go with fields. Yet the other, other question you have to ask in, in response to, to the, the fields decision, you know, it's one thing if you're Houston or Indy, right? Like you need a quarterback. Bears, you actually have to answer that question of, do you feel like you need one? Now that, that, that brings in the Bryce Young and, uh, and the C.J. Stroud questions into play, where Young has taken a lot of action recently. Michael, he's up to minus 210 to be first quarterback drafted. He's minus 160 to go number one overall, the quarterback out of Alabama. How do you compare the, those two prospects if you're looking at how they would match up to fields if you're doing this from the Bears' perspective? Well, I mean, look, uh, the, Bryce Young, the question about Bryce Young really comes down to can Bryce Young stay – healthy through 17 games is he going to be physical enough he's 185 pounds soaking wet he's six feet tall maybe six feet tall he's small I mean Stroud to me has got the size and the athleticism I think to me the more I talk to teams the more I keep hearing Stroud's name as a potential first pick overall that I do Bryce Young because everybody's worried about Bryce Young and his size he hasn't even been measured yet I know he throws to wide open receivers, and I know he's got great timing, and he makes incredible throws. I think he's an incredible college player. This is, I mean, I would never say anything negative about Bryce Young's collegiate career. It's remarkable. The question is, can he hold up? Can he play in a big man sport? Can he not get hit where he's going to get hurt? And can he see when he's in the pocket? You know, when you talk to teams, we don't talk enough about the undersized quarterback who can't see when they get pushed back and all of a sudden there's nowhere to go with the ball. It's hard. Now, you can only do so much play action. It's hard. you got to step up and drive the ball, and it becomes hard. You would think, too, because of how the combine is such a just raw measurement-based deal, (laughs) measurements – recording times on, you know, on, on the different tasks that they have, the, all the, not only quarterbacks, but all the players do. You would think a guy like Young, who is, as you say, is undersized and does not wow you with the raw measurements, wouldn't you think that's a that sort of guy like coming out of the combine, we're going to start to see more of those, those tea leaves drop about, all right, C.J. Stroud, he, he might actually be the guy, and yeah. maybe that betting market is, is going to start flipping. It feels like a, a somewhat inevitable thing that we aren't going to see Young just continue, continue to climb and keep getting that minus money number go higher and higher on him, I wouldn't think. I, I think, to me, there's so much out there that nobody really knows, right? So we're going to get to that combine, and there'll be a lot of buzz. There'll be the buzz that the agents want us to pick up on. This player's hot. That player's not. This player's on. You know, all those things. But there is a root element that happens at the combine where you kind of get a sense about the collegiate players, about what's going to happen. Do I think Bryce Young throws there? I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if Bryce Young didn't even get measured there. I would be surprised Mm -hmm. if he didn't do anything there. I think he would get a physical and get out of town and just wait for everybody to come to Alabama. Yeah. 
that's the other that's the other alternative that has started to become in certain situations more more of a popular thing uh, at least now but if you're doing you know your comps to where like young and Stroud are at with current uh, current or even former quarterbacks where would you comp both young and, and Stroud at least to uh, to former quarterbacks who have had success in the league well I mean look if you like young you say well he's Drew Brees Drew Brees is a bigger man right Drew Brees didn't start off as a star player in the league. It took him a little bit of time. He had yeah. that devastating shoulder injury. But Drew Brees could work a pocket. He had great feel. And he's a little thicker. He was a little thicker than that, you know. If you like Stroud, you're saying Stroud could be Jalen Hurts. He's a big kid who can run. He's got a great arm. Can he throw with anticipation? I don't know about that, you know. I don't know about that. I think, to me, you know, when you keep making these comps, you've got to, you know, one thing about Drew Brees, he was a world-class tennis player. I mean, so when he slid back and forth in the pocket, he, it was like he's playing tennis. He had a great feel for it. And remember, when, when, when Breeze was coming out, nobody was in shotgun all the time. He had to play under center. So he had to get used to working the pocket. Today, these kids don't have to work the pocket. They just look, and if it's not there, they take off and run. Mm-hmm. Well, the, what's weird, you know, on the Bears front, if you're, if you're comparing, especially if you're doing the fields to Stroud, where you have guys coming out of Ohio State, Stroud, who could who could as you say, potentially turn into a type, a sort of pseudo Hertz type quarterback with his ability to run and extend plays. And that's exactly what people look at fields and say they want him to become. That's what you just said. Fields can develop into that. So it's, there's somewhat of an irony there. If all of a sudden you're, you're comparing those two, it's like, are you now just going to a guy who in Stroud, who is what, two years less developed, but you, you have a belief that he will have that development quicker. That's a hard question, I would say, for the, the Bears people to answer and why you'd probably think if, if there's one guy they would look it's at, it would be It's not really, young. though, Ben. It's not really because they watch practice. They've seen this kid in practice. They know, can he make throws in practice against in a, almost a non-competitive uh, mm. competitive environment, you know? And what they're really saying is Stroud can throw the ball better. Stroud gives us a better chance to throw the ball. And then what's the value for her? What's the value for Fields? What value does he have in the open market? Who's taken him and given away a first-round pick? I, I don't know if anybody would do that. I think they would love the athlete. I don't think any quarterback needy team would say, okay, here's a one. We think we got our guy. Now you got three years of a rookie contract, which are, other than the fifth year, is cheap. So what do they get back in the value? You know, when Wentz got traded, he was getting traded based on what he had done in the past. He wasn't, you know, when – when these other guys get traded, it's based on their past performance, not based on we're speculating. Right. We're speculating he's going to continue to play this way. Is, is also because of that and how many moving parts there are, if you go with the quarterback draft route of Chicago, is it fair to say, like the in a weird way, the easy thing for polls to do as a GM is to say, let's just stick with fields. There's been generally no, – is, is that the easy thing to say? We just draft a good uh, defensive I mean, guy if you and roll with it? If you want to go with the media, go ahead. You're going to get fired because when are they right? You know, <laughs> yeah. when are they right? You got to make you got to make a decision based on who can throw the football and who can we win a championship with. It's like when you're sitting this time of the year, you're not studying. You're studying the final four teams and you're studying the teams you got to beat. If you're the Patriots, who we'll talk to in the next block, yep. you you've got to be able. You got to sit there and watch the Buffalo game. You got to watch the. The jet tape. And you got to figure out the only way we're going to win or get to the play, we got to beat these three teams first. You know, they split with Miami. They lost twice to Buffalo. I haven't beaten Buffalo in, since the win game. 
you know, and, and they beat the Jets twice. So how do we get our team to where we can beat these teams? That's the question. How does Chicago get their team to be able to throw the ball effectively against Minnesota, Detroit, and uh, Green Bay? Especially in a division that, it, I mean, it is going to be so topsy-turvy, you would think, where Detroit finishes the year as hot as anybody in football. Minnesota was viewed as the biggest fraud in the league with how fortunate they got, and who knows what, what the situation at quarterback looks like for Green Bay. So, interesting questions to answer. I, I've, I, I, it's hard for me to have a read on, on uh, Chicago. It sounds, Michael, though, like as we start to get closer to the draft, uh, the, the thought is, okay, you know, look, the changing out of the guard and the quarterback could very much be the thing for Chicago, and now we, we wait to see how it all works out. Uh, that, uh, that's our little NFL draft discussion. We will get back to some more NFL headlines in a little bit, but Chad Graff from the New England Patriots, who covers them for The Athletic, he will stop by the show, talk some off-season storylines for the Pats when we come back. You're listening to the Lombardi Line on VSEN, featuring former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now, once again, here's Patrick Maher. If you're looking for a betting edge on the NHL, NBA, or college basketball, the VEASAN experts have got you covered. Become a VEASAN Pro subscriber with an introductory offer of only $9.99. VEASAN Pro subscribers get access to our daily recap of the top plays made by VEASAN show hosts and guests. With tools like our betting splits, deep dive betting reports, VEASAN betting guides to the biggest games of the season, where our experts break down brackets, best bets, and daily props. Don't miss out on this limited time offer. Visit VEASAN.com slash subscribe today to sign up for only $9.99. That is VSIN.com slash subscribe back with Michael Lombardi. I'm Ben Wilson in for Patrick the rest of the week. We're joined now by Chad Graff, who covers the New England Patriots for the athletic and Michael's are going to get into uh, what an interesting offseason This is for the Pats 25 and 25 last three seasons. I have a, a pretty solid pick. If you, if you look at the uh, draft picking in the top 15 here and uh, Chad, as we welcome you in before we get to the draft perspective here for the, the Patriots, uh, where are you looking at as far as the uh, the biggest question marks that the Patriots are going to have to answer as they prepare for their offseason uh, duties here? Well, they've got quite a few. I really do think, as you mentioned, that they're one of the most not just because it's the Pedro Belichick, but of the teams that aren't in that quarterback market, like the Raiders and the Jets, that are going to be interested all through the offseason, through free agency, Aaron Rodgers' situation, or whatever else, they just have a lot of pulse. And I think they also recognize, like, Bill we're just going to, uh, we'll call Chad back there. His connection is yeah. uh, actually a little uh, little choppy. Kind of like how the Patriots have been very choppy uh, last three seasons, Michael. <laughs> but, I mean, there are, that's what's fascinating, right? There are so many needs for New England, and it's like, where do you begin? I know you have, uh, you certainly have thoughts on how they should approach things. Well, I mean, I think there's, you know, every team has, every team that wants to close the gap has needs. There's no denying it. And, you know, they have a ton of cap room. They have a ton of cap flexibility. You know, they're going to have guys that they're going to have to re-sign back, the guys that they're going to have to let go. To me, they got to fix their offensive line. That's where it starts and ends. They didn't play well up front. You know, Isaiah Wynn didn't play well. Marcus Cannon came in. He didn't play well. I mean, Connor McDermott, the kid they drafted in the set, in the sixth round in 2017, mm -hmm. he actually played right tackle better than anybody did. So, you know, they need to get that fixed. They need to get Trent Brown to play at a high level. Then they need to get Mac Jones squared away off the field and on the field. They need to get him to, to buy into the program. They need to get him to not be so demonstrative. And then I think at the end of the day, they need to define who they're going to be offensively. You know, what are they going to do? 
You know, what kind of team will they have? I thought the Thornton kid who they drafted in the second round gives them vertical outside. Parker was a good player for them. You know, he had 41 catches on the season. He was able to make some plays down the field. They've got to get more out of Jonu Smith if they if they keep him on the roster. So, to me, I, I think that there's a lot of pieces there that you could work with. They're one of the better rushing teams. Their front was good. You know, they need speed at linebacker. Mm-hmm. I think that's going to be the biggest concern. They need the, their best player on defense is Duger, who's really good. You know, and they need to be able to match up to these size receivers on the outside. So it's a work in progress. But like anything, what's the main thing? The main thing is to get the quarterback to play better. The second main thing is to get the offensive line to play better. You do those two things. They won eight games last year. Could have beaten the Raiders in that game. I don't if the you know they mm-hmm. chat the, right. the call for the touchdown. Was it a touchdown? I don't, and then the, then the funky play that they made at the end. You know, they, they had some games where they let slip away. I mean, they lose they lose to the Chicago Bears. That's the last time the Bears won. Two pretty the important. That was in uh, October. Yes. Flip, flipping of games. Game. Yeah, that could have co- totally uh, changed the script as far as the Patriots season went last year. Uh, Chad Graff, we do have back. We, we got a better connection now uh, there with Chad. So as as you were, uh, we heard Michael kind of give his you know first take on what the, what the Patriots offseason is going to look like. Uh, as we welcome you back in there, Chad, where, where are you looking at as you cover the team here on a, on a daily basis that you believe they are emphasizing the most here in this offseason? Well, I think you guys hit the nail on the head and why I think they're two priorities need to be waiver and offensive tackle. Like you mentioned, priority one needs to be Mac Jones playing better. Couldn't agree more, but I think you've also got to get him some better weapons. Like Taquan Thornton didn't have the rookie season. I think he would have hoped a broken collarbone early slowed him down, but uh, just not the rookie season that he hoped. Jacoby Myers has been their best wide receiver since Julian Edelman. And now it's no given that he's going to be back. Like I think Jacoby Myers is the best uh free agent wide receiver on the market. And in this free agency market where wide receiver contracts are ballooning, who is to say he can't get 18 million a year like Christian Kirk. And if he does, I think that's probably a little bit too pricey for the Patriots. But on the flip side, if you don't have Jacoby Myers, what does your wide receiver room look like? It gets very fast. It's basically just Devontae Parker and Kendrick Bourne and Tyquan Thornton. So you need reinforcements in a big way at wide receiver. It wouldn't shock me if they used their number 14 pick there. Um, mm. There's a bunch of wide receivers they'd have a choice at. And then I think no you chance, know, Chad, spot. no chance, Chad. <laughs> no I'm chance. just telling you, there's no chance. This whole receiver crap has got to stop. Like there's no chance they're using it on a receiver. They can't block anybody up front. Like unless you count to five Mississippi, the quarterback's not going to get the ball off. Like I could just tell you working <laughs> in that building, you can write all you want these stories. You can write them all. Like, I worked in that building. There's no way they're going to say we need a receiver. Now, could they say we draft a tight end? Okay, I got that. But they got offensive line problems. They got to fix that. They all got right. defensive problems. I don't see when I watch the tape saying, oh, wow, you know, they really have a receiver problem. That's everybody's offseason is, oh, they got a receiver problem. Oh, they got a receiver problem. Then when we get to the Super Bowl, we say, well, that ego offensive line is so good. You know, and then we get the Chiefs line. Look at the offensive line, and I think you could reasonably expect pretty much everybody on the line to play better. Like Trent Brown didn't have his best last year. It was his first time going back. They switched the offensive tackles. I think you could ask for a little bit more from the line now that Matt Patricia isn't both the offensive line coach and basically the offensive coordinator. Cole Strange next to him at left guard. I think you expect a little bit more going into year two. David Andrews at center, 
He's healthy now. He was playing through injury last year. On Wenu at right guard is one of the best in the league. And so if you get a little bit better right tackle play, like I don't think the offensive line is necessarily that big of a problem. Whereas if you take oh, Kobe Myers out of that wide receiver room, it's going oh, to leak very fast. <laughs> we just want, we watch a different game, Chad. You and I, we watch a different game. That's, that's just at the end of the day. We watch a different game because you guys all think receivers. It's like Belichick walked into the room in Cleveland in 1991 on our draft board, and we had like 50 receivers up there, and he's like, are you kidding me? Like, are, yeah. Well, Taquan Thornton didn't play well last year. Well, well. How about if he plays well this year? The, the guy runs. He's fast as hell. He maybe stays healthy. You got a vertical outside receiver. I mean, how much do you want to spend? Eighteen million dollars for a slot receiver? I mean, if you want to do that, Chad, go ahead and do it. I don't know how long you'd be running an NFL team because if you spend eighteen million for an inside <laughs> slot receiver, you're not going to last in your job. I can just tell you that right now. Like, you got to find somebody. You got to draft one. You got to draft the slot receiver. I mean, when you when you you know you cover this team, they've had Edelman. They've had uh, what they pay for Edelman. Nothing. They drafted him in the seventh round. I mean, Amendola. They paid, bought him in free agency, like at a modest number. It wasn't a ridiculous. It wasn't a starting wide receiver number. You, you know, if somebody wants to pay Jacoby Myers eighteen million, I could tell you the answer from New England right now. The answer is go get it. Yeah, I, I'm with you there, but that's why I think you got to look at the 14th pick. And also, this is no, no, no. You're not looking at the 14th. You're not hearing me. You're not listening to me. I was in the room. I'm just telling you, they're not doing that. Like, I've been in that building. I've worked with the guy since 1991. I don't know if you were born in 91. But I'm just telling you, he ain't drafted a receiver. He sees the game differently than you do. Now, he's got six trophies next to his name. You're writing for the athletic. It's a different ball game. So you can sit there and keep writing wide receiver, and I'm sure people are going to believe you. But it ain't right. <laughs> Fair enough. I just think in today's league, you got to have a number one receiver or Patrick Mahomes. You need one of the Give others. me your number one. How many number one receivers are there in the league, Chad? How many of them are there? There's like 15 to 20. Get out of here. Stop. 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 There's not 15 number one receivers in the league. Are you kidding me? It's the hardest position to play. you got to be crazy. 15? No, no, you you read too much pro football focus. You read way too much pro football focus. No chance. One other stat at you. One other stat. You go back like the last four or five years, wide receiver is one of the spots where rookies can come in and make an impact right away. Last year, four rookies had 800 receiving yards or more. The year before that, four rookies, 800 receiving yards or more of that. Before that. Did those teams win, Chad? I mean, look, Jamar Chase is a great player. I, I'm not arguing that, but you know, you impact. I mean, are they winning? Did those four? Did they win championships? Can you win a title with that? Like at the end of the day, you got to have off. You got to be able to protect, and you got to have a quarterback that can get him the ball. I mean, this receiver, I don't understand it. Every offseason, all we talk about is you got to have receivers. Got to have receivers. The Super Bowl, all we talked about was that you got to block them. It's just unbelievable. Keep writing the receiver. Oh, Put him at 14. Chad. They'll love it. They'll love you when you give them a receiver Chad, at 14. You, we, you and I, we, it, Femi, Bebefe, me, we've all been in the firing line. It's happened before, Chad. Thanks for being a trooper man and <laughs> doing this uh, at the chat. Grab so we can find Chad's work. Thanks, Chad. We appreciate it, man.
Thanks for having me and look for receivers, guys. Oh, yeah, of course. Uh, all right, Michael, we have some other NFL news and notes we'll discuss as we wrap up the show right after this. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm preaching to somebody today who is waiting for God to give you your next step. And you don't know what it is yet. You need God to show you your next step. Because, God, I can't stay where I am like I am where it is. This isn't going to work. I, I have to move on, but I don't know where. A lot of time you'll use it as an excuse. Well, I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know what. God, if you show me. God, if you tell me. God, if no, 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 no. You know enough right now. And if you needed to know more, he would show you. Hey, this is Stephen Furtick. I want to invite you to listen to my podcast, Elevation with Stephen Furtick. I am here to help you for the battles that you face in life, for the times when you feel discouraged, for the times that you need guidance from God. I want to give you the truth of what he says about you to help you rise to your full potential. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Attention all wrestling aficionados. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. This is Freddie Prince Jr., and I am beyond thrilled to announce that our wrestling extravaganza is back, and joining me once again is the one and only Jeff Dye. Get ready as we highlight the most jaw-dropping matches, dissect the fiercest feuds, and uncover the latest twists and turns in the world of pro wrestling. We're dusting off our legendary side quests and unleashing a barrage of brand new segments that will keep you guys on the edge of your seat like our talks on unsanctioned Thursdays. Freddie, you know we gotta give the people what they want. This season, we have an all-star lineup of special guests who are gonna be gracing our podcast, bringing with them their own unique insights, experiences, and all of that in the world of pro wrestling and beyond. Whether you're a seasoned wrestling veteran or a fresh-faced newcomer, we promise an experience like no other. So buckle up, wrestling fans. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
You're listening to the Lombardi Line on VSIN, featuring former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now, once again, here's Patrick Maher. BetMGM, the king of sportsbooks, unleashes the spirit of Las Vegas with BetMGM Rewards. Every time you make a wager with BetMGM, you can earn BetMGM Rewards points that you can redeem for online bonus credits like bonus bets and bet insurance tokens. Planning a trip to Vegas? You can also convert your BetMGM points into MGM Rewards points that you can use towards dining, shows, and hotel rooms at over 20 MGM Resorts properties located on the Las Vegas Strip and nationwide. BetMGM Rewards is sports betting's premier loyalty program featuring exclusive offers, incredible experiences, and valuable perks when you wager on the BetMGM app. Sign up with BetMGM or log on today to get an even bigger piece of the action with BetMGM Rewards. Eligibility restrictions apply. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. New and existing customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued is non-withdrawable bonus bets. Bonus bets expire in seven days from issuance. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. All right, we've gotten Michael hosed off. He's 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 calm now after a very fun uh, last segment. I I enjoyed that honestly. Though. I, I I did enjoy that, Michael. Look, I just think to me we have a generation of guys that cover teams that just think everything is receiver, receiver, receiver. You know, and and yet we don't pay attention to you know like how to build a team. Like you don't build a team through just. Bill Walsh said this. I didn't say it. Bill Walsh said this. He's he's the smartest offensive man I've ever been around in my life. You don't fix the receiver room until the rest of your team is fixed. Guys can get open if you can protect. You know, you can't pay Jacoby Myers $18 million a year. He doesn't make a difference in the game. He's had six touchdown passes. He's a good player. I like him. He's a good player. College free agent, great kid, works hard, no speed whatsoever, no explosive plays down the field, average 12 yards a catch. You put him in the slot, that's the only place he can play. Will somebody pay him? Yeah, sure. Would he be good fit for the Raiders or a team like that? Probably because they have they have Adams outside. They've mm-hmm. got a tight end. They've got pieces that can help. But you can't. He can't be the number one receiver. This the other part that I don't think Chad understands is to be a number one receiver. You in the National Football League, you have to draw coverage. Tyreek Hill, coverage, right? He would think A.J. Brown's the number one receiver. A.J. Brown is a good player. He is a really good player. But you people feel at times they're going to go up there and they're not going to sit there and say, oh, my God, if we don't double him on every play, we're going to lose. It's just a fact. Yeah. Now, does he win against man coverage? Of course he does. He's a really good player. But a number one receiver, he has the coverage rotated to him all the time. High, low. Can't let them go. It's a touchdown. Why? Because we have a generation of people that analyze football that only look at catches. They don't look at catch-to-touchdown ratio. That's the stat that you have to look at. You have 100 catches, you score two touchdowns. What am I doing? I'd say the one other thing to keep in mind, it's also you, you have to consider the context of the – if you're talking about from the draft perspective and what these teams are going to do, you have to consider the perspective of the class – Last year was viewed to be a very good class where you ended up with seven first-round wide receivers. It's not that this year. I mean, there's nobody viewed to be a top 10 wide receiver in this year's class. You would, it looks like right now, Michael, probably three. Maybe, uh, maybe a Jalen Hyatt or a Zay Flowers sneaks into the back end of the first round. But it's not, it's not at all viewed to be a deep wide receiver class, at least from a round one perspective this year. Ben, it shows you how messed up the whole, the whole draft Nick board is. Michael Meyer, I saw in somebody's draft this going in the bottom of the first round, 25-26. You put Michael Meyer, the tight end from Notre Dame, on anybody's team, he's a nightmare. He becomes a matchup problem 
because he's very good running routes. He can block at the end of the line. He can block a six technique. He can block an eight technique. Then he can go out and block outside. Gronk would have been a higher draft pick if he didn't have a back injury. Those guys are dying. You can't find those guys. And when you find a tight end that can control the end of the line and then become a wide receiver, all of a sudden you've got everything starts to fit. It makes everybody else better. But when you just when you just think he's oh we can find him oh Travis Kel- Travis Kelsey's not a tight end he never blocks a six technique he never blocks it yeah. he blocks a support guy he's a big he's good he's great don't get me wrong now he's great but he's not a tight end when he's on the field they're in some form of a they don't count him as a Y they count him as an they count him as an auxiliary. So that's why they do move him around. They put him in all different personnel groups so that you can't really ever get honed in on it. But to tell, but Meyer at Notre Dame is a legitimate big-time player who changes the game, who changes defensive call sheets. That's what number one receivers do. And for Meyer, where where his draft position will be set, we're all waiting. We're gonna we're gonna get those odds after the uh, the combine ha- happens next week. But you would think that's a guy that, given the the physical nature of his game and where the measurements are gonna play out, you would think that's that's a guy who would rise. We'll see if that actually happens. I mean, if Evan Ingram Evan Ingram went, I don't know where he went. You know, he went. Evan Ingram's a wide receiver. See, yeah. this is a position people have a hard time understanding is the tight end position because the tight end has to block. If you want to really be a tight end, you got to block a six technique. You got to block a seven technique. You got to block an eight technique. Those are defensive linemen. You got to block those guys, and you got to be able to run the ball behind you. And then you've got to have enough quickness and enough athleticism that when they play man to man on third down, you can win. There's not I, a lot yeah. of people walking planet Earth that could do that. No, there are not. Ingram, well, Ingram, it's ironic that you compare if if you're talking Ingram and Myers. Ingram went 23rd overall in that uh, in that. But he's not a tight draft, end. But he he's right, a wide. He, he's he yes, is he is, he is Kelsey in their offense. Yeah, that, well, he can't block it. He doesn't block anybody. Now we wait to see where the reports come on Myers. I'm with you. I mean, a guy who is multidimensional as as a guy who can do multiple things for you as an offense, very hard to scheme against. Uh, But you mentioned, so you mentioned Kelsey. I just wanted to get this, uh, this thought from you before we wrap up the show, uh, because his former offensive coordinator, Eric B is now in Washington. I don't know if you saw the comments yesterday from uh, LaShawn McCoy, who spent the end of his career with Kansas city, but basically comes on TV and says, the enemy wasn't doing anything and did, had no say of the game plan last night. A lot of the chief, some former chiefs, some current chiefs said, okay, McCoy, you don't know what you're talking about. He was a, you know, he was a huge integral part to, of the success for the team, but it's become this bigger conversation on the enemy of, well, how much was he really responsible for Kansas city uh, as he heads now to Washington to take over the offensive coordinator position there? Uh, how do you, how do you see that playing out as uh, as that has now become the narrative surrounding the enemy here as he enters Washington? Well, I mean, look, he gets his chance to play in the game, right? He gets his chance to to really, you know, to decide how, what kind of coach is he. And there'll be no disputing who does everything. Look, it's not uncommon for the guy who's the offensive coordinator. I mean, like take my son, for example. He's the offensive coordinator of the, of the Las Vegas Raiders. Josh McDaniels calls the game. Josh McDaniels, when he's in the team meeting, he'll run the meetings. Does that mean my son has no impact into what they do? No, of course not. He has a tremendous amount of impact, uh, suggestions, conversations, making sure everything's done. But to dismiss anything he does as nothing is kind of a little bit wrong. You don't understand the workings because the players leave the building. They don't know what goes on upstairs. I mean, the enemy might have been able to say to Andy, look, I think we need to do this. I think we need to do that. 
But who presents it doesn't necessarily always mean it's his idea. We know Andy calls the game. Why wouldn't Andy call the game? He's the best play caller. But to just not give the kid credit for anything that happens when you're not in the building is unfair. Yeah, no, that's that's a good way to put it. And now it's also, you know, you think about all the different parts of a staff and how you, you know, how you delegate when you're at the top of a of a of a system, whether that's offense or defense. I mean, isn't that a big big part of it too? And taking all those ideas in and presenting it to the team is is kind of that one cohesive thought. I mean, that's something that doesn't really get talked about, but simplifying the game while still having the different nuances to be successful is is a, a big untalked about thing, I would imagine, Michael. No doubt. And, and look, he's going to go to Washington, and he's going to take over an offense that struggled to protect. And he's going to have the same problems. I mean, Sean, Scott Turner had a hard time protecting there. You know, they want to try to get five out in a route. You know, when they didn't have a very good – you know, the, the, the whole offensive line wasn't very good. So that became a problem. And I, and I think to me, you know, they've got great skill players. Again, we've got great receivers. You draft Dotson the first pick of 20 in the first <laughs> round. we got Dotson. God knows we got the best receiver on the team, by the way, is the second rounder in McLaurin. Okay. Neither of them are number one receivers. They're really good, though. Right. They're really good. But the point here that I'm making is the fact that, you know, they can't block anybody. They don't, they can't block anybody enough to get the ball to them. And so because of that, they struggle and their quarterback gets hit too much. He can't make a play. It's challenging. It renders the rest of the offense moot when you when you literally have no time to throw the ball down to, down the field and a big issue that plagued uh, Washington this past season among other teams who had similar issues uh, like the Patriots at the offensive line position. All right, as we wrap up, Michael. First off, great to be back with you. Hadn't seen you since yeah. uh, since the Super Bowl, so great to be back. We're we're together all week and into the weekend. Big thanks to Brian Ortega, his final show producing for us. He'll still be at the network. You'll see him on uh, our, uh, our our night show starting next week with Matt Humans. And uh, Wes Reynolds and, uh, and and Ortega is also going to be doing work on the weekend. So big big thanks to Ortega for his work. Uh, we we have enjoyed it. These have been great uh, midweek shows here throughout the football season, Michael, and, uh, and only job, continuing. Guys. So and Brian, I I mean I'm sorry for Chad. I I know I kind of uh, you know, but hey, look look you know it's just they all the everybody wants to talk receivers. Got to have a receiver. Yep. They draft Thornton in the second round, and what are they going to do? Just put him on the bench for a year? I mean seriously. Yeah, we'll have much more NFL discussion tomorrow. But uh, thanks to Michael. Thanks. Great great show as Thank always, you, Michael. Good to see you. Same uh, for Brian Ortega, our producer Andrew Ingold, our technical director Sergio Sanchez, Mikhail Miranda, Rob Moreno, Troy Kinch, everybody else helping out behind the scenes here at Circa. That does it for us on the Lombardi line. Up next, it's Veasan Big Bets, Dave Ross, and Amal Shaw. Take it away. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff, are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. The Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God. Together in this podcast, we'll dive deep into scripture, uncover the powerful truths that will help you rise above your limitations and embrace your full potential. We're here to equip you with the tools you need to conquer life's challenges. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.